1984 was quite possibly the greatest year in pop culture history. From movies to TV to music, the millionaires who entertain us were firing on all cylinders. In 84, we were united. For each and every American, everything was awesome. It was that year a man broke away from his insanely popular band to make a statement of love that echoed on the airwaves with such immaculate perfection, the number one and two spots on the Billboard charts could not handle it. This number three hit through the years has become number one in our hearts, an example of how an otherwise milquetoast ballad released in 84 can hold on. Hold on. It's great. This is great. Welcome to the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast, brought to you live on tape from the Feral Audio Network. FeralAudio.com podcast that used to be domesticated, but now live on the streets. Yeah. My name is JD Riznar. With me, as always, Hollywood Steve. Are we in the club right now? You sure are. Nice. Dave Lyons. Hey, how are you? Hunter Stare. Hi, everybody. Uh, Beyond Yacht Rock is the podcast that creates arbitrary genres and counts them down. But today, episode 15, it's a wild card on the fives. We'll be taking an in-depth look at one song, Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. But before we begin, you guys want to throw a bone to our Yacht Rock fans? Actually, Let's do before, it. before oh. we do, who's doing this version? Uh, it's just some things. Just it's some club like mix? some workout remix. Oh. Yeah. It's a workout remix. Oh. Yeah, so do your so you sit-ups. Get, I can do jazzercise to this, finally. Yeah. Okay, I've got a bone. i got a bone. Here I go. Oh. We're going to throw, throw it. it. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's bouncing. It's good. I like it. Right from the start. This is Randy Goodrum. Mm. Fool's Paradise. Love that guy. Yeah, we talked about him before. Uh, Randy Goodrum is one of the co-writers of O'Sherry. That's why we're featuring him today. And as you can hear from this, this is a single from one of his solo albums. He's a bona fide yacht rocker. And it's about fools. It is about fools. Did you say the name of it? It's Fool's Paradise. Paradise. It takes fools, which Yacht Rock is all about, and Paradise, which people think Yacht Rock is all about, mashes them together. It's beautiful. And he's a uh, he's a he's a pop music mercenary. This Mm. guy jumps on a bunch of different genres. And you got to believe if he would have stayed in uh, as a yacht rocker, he would have had a great career. Um, If you yacht rock enthusiasts, you may have noticed that the first couple notes of this song sounds almost exactly like Kenny Loggins' Heart to Heart. Here it is again. Yeah, this yeah. Was, it was produced by Bruce Botnick, Heart to Heart, which who also produced Oh Sherry. He has nothing to do with this song. We'll talk about him more later. But how about those connections? You know, yeah, it's good, amazing. Good fun facts. And he worked with Pop Bottle on Dave Loggins' uh, yeah. albums that we talked yeah, we, about. We, we, we know, know who that is. We all know who Pop Bottle is. Pop Bottle is Kenny Lo- secretly Kenny Loggins. That's our theory. Um, uh, you know, Heart to Heart came before this song. So I imagine what happened was Bruce Botnick worked his ass off for Loggins, and then he heard Randy Goodrum rip him off, and then beat him up in public, and when he, they were arrested, the judge decreed that they had to work together 
on Steve Perry's album. That's that's the same logic of the uh, the judge that made Paul Reiser and Greg Evigan have to live together in her apartment <laughs> and share custody of Stacey Keenan on My Two Dads. Yeah, last, a lot of that stuff going on in the 80s. The yeah. judges were out of control. They were Activist wacky. judges. Do you guys remember when we saw Michael McDonald in concert and he brought Paul Reiser out for the encore to play piano? <laughs> that's right. I forgot yeah. about that yeah. just till now. I guess oh, Robert, yeah. Robert Wool wasn't available. That was awesome. They did a Christmas song <sighs> together, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. No, they did, they did a super depressing 9-11 Christian song. Oh. But didn't and Paul, then Paul Reiser, Reiser came out and played a, like, no, he played Lonely Teardrops. Oh, that's right. right. He gave him, like, this five-minute introduction. And you're like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to oh, be? Oh, wow. And did he, like, get Ladies and gentlemen, did he get James Ingram? <laughs> who's it going to be? Kenny Hawkins? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Paul Reiser. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! And the, fo- the five of us with our free tickets in the third row are just... Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Took the air out of that concert. Uh, yeah. Um, Jesus. Now, this guy's uh, Dandy Randy. I'm going to call him that. <laughs> right now, right now he's a, he uh, has solid uh, Yacht Rock cred. I'm not going to list everything because it's too long, but he did work with Toto and the McDon. Yeah. A list too long for Hunter. Wow. <laughs> well, I got, this guy I got, is a solid professional. I had uh, had my wrist slapped last week. so We're going to be talking about Randy Goodrum a lot. So if any of you know Randy Goodrum fans, we're going to talk about him a lot this episode. Make sure to send them the link to this episode because Randy Goodrum fans are going to be... Off their rockers. Over the moon. Yeah, this is kind of a rare album. It's hard to find. So, maybe maybe somebody needs to re-release this. Great album. Great yeah. album. Randy Goodrum. Goodrum. Fool's Paradise. Single, Fool's Paradise. Album, Fool's Paradise. So today, we're talking about, oh, Sherry. What else could it be? It's the greatest song, the greatest pop ballad of all time. I'm going to go right out there and say that. I'm in your corner. What else would it be? I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Junk. November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Let It Be by The Beatles. Stairway to Heaven. Ripped off from Spirits Taurus. They're in court right now. (laughs) It's true. Thanks to that got to give it up decision. It's all sloppy garbage. Oh, this is a karaoke version, by the way. That's why there was no singing. We'll talk about that so later. So that you can, you too can try and fail to sound like Steve Perry. Oh, it happens a lot. There's background vocals oh, in the karaoke version. <laughs> Love it. Um, Which should oh, be God. Steve Perry. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into we'll that. We'll get into it. Yeah. This song is perfect. It cuts to the core of humanity. It's perfect. We've got ten arguments to, to convince you that we're right. It's perfect. Perfect. Uh, oh, Sherry's always impressed and inspired me. I once wrote a thousand-word essay breaking it down, but I feel like I could write a book. I'm going to be talking a book today. Now, I read your essay. I remember it very distinctly, specifically the line you wrote that described the song as rocking you purple and stiff. Mm-hmm. And I am 100% in your corner. I remember you used to put uh, pictures of Steve Perry on everything in your house. Yeah, I remember your liquid soap dispenser in the yeah. bathroom had a photocopied picture yeah. of Steve Perry, yeah. and it was captioned, Steve Perry so clean, clean as all, all fuck. fuck. Yeah. Clean as all fuck. Steve Perry could have been a billionaire if he yeah. had come up with that idea himself. I can't get it out. But I just kind of, we have a lot to say about O'Sherry today. Yeah, let's, so let's yeah. just start the I want. I, I, I don't know. Personally, my experience with this song, I don't know if it's the greatest pop ballad of all time, but to me, if there were a Grammy for best rock vocal performance, comma, male, comma, ever, I comma, think this song is it. Comma Steve this, Perry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think this song wins that Grammy. And I don't want to be too general, but this song may have the best opening 
middle, and end. Yeah. All three very good parts of the song. Yeah, you gotta have all three of those to make a full song. Yeah, it's too bad it wasn't the best altogether. <laughs> Sorry. Number ten. Number ten. Oh, Sherry by, by Steve, Steve Perry. It's a good song. Great Wait, song. Did you see, did you say the name of the song? Oh, Sherry oh, okay. by Steve Perry. Uh, this is argument number 10. This is a quintessential pop song, but it transcends typical love song themes. It is first and foremost a love song. And if you ask me, it's a rare love song about how hard love actually is. There's no happily ever after no Sherry. It's all about holding on, about doing the work that has to be done in any relationship. Yes, I agree. I, I, in terms of depicting... A real, complex, battle-scarred, adult relationship. Shorn of the simplistic, radio-ready, junior prom fairy tales that we're all accustomed to hearing in love songs. This song ranks up with a classic era Barry Manilow divorce ballad. That's how good it is. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Steve. Barry Manilow it is funny. Because I agree. Yes. I'm, and I'm also... Right. And also... And JD, I agree with you too. No, there's huh. not going to be a lot of arguing in this oh, episode. Oh, we're going to uh, be arguing against the audience who doesn't believe us that this song is so great. I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is a fun song. It's a coy song, and it's a tongue-in-cheek ballad, as we discuss about a uh, relationship past the honeymoon. That I think. Uh, and they both kind of know it. Now, Steve's, Steve Perry, he's kind of in awe about the power of love in this song. Um, like, he's admitting he's a pain in the ass dude, but he marvels that love can actually make Sherry love him. Yeah, the power of love is a curious thing that way. Makes a one man weep, makes Steve man Perry sing. Makes yeah. sing. Yeah. yeah, yep. I agree. And if I were to put a genre on this song, since we are about genres, I would call it a light power ballad. It's got more balls than your typical ballad, but it's no, like, The Flame by Cheap right. Trick. Great fucking song. Yeah, real good song. Cheap Trick hates it. They say it ruined their career. Really? really? Yeah. No, the album Busted ruined their career. Oh, I think their lack of continually writing songs like The Flame ruined their career. Oh, somebody else wrote it for them. <clears throat> well, it sounds Russell about, Ballard. About two years after they released Busted, they were playing the Macosta County Fair in my hometown, <laughs> and that was my first concert. Well, it sounds oh. like Cheap Trick is a little self-loathing, like Steve Perry is in this song, which oh. also makes it a kind of a weird, weird love ballad. Way to bring it back, Hunter. Nicely I done. I agree. I agree. Oh, it's so good. It really is. Hmm. Number nine, Steve Perry. Oh, Sherry. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, this is a good one. one. Our argument for th this time is that this song is special. <laughs> It was, it was forged <laughs> in the fires, burning in the soul of a man with something to prove. Oh, that's a good argument. Yeah, yeah. well. I agree. Yeah, we all agree. And to talk about this song, you have to talk about Journey's history. Please. We have to go all the way back to when Journey was called the Golden Gate Rhythm Section. They were oh. banned in San Francisco, 
founded by former Santana members Neil Sean and Greg Raleigh. Mm -hmm. So was that Santana's backing band? Was they were, of, yeah, they were yeah. Santana's, Santana's backing, backing band. band. And but it, I I always thought they were what part of Santana's band. But he was like, but that was actually his backing. I know. I mean, they were part of Santana. They were part Greg, of Santana. Greg Raleigh sings Black Magic Woman, and Neil Sean joined the band when he was 15 years old. Mm. They're legit Santana dudes. Yeah. But they they changed their name to Journey, and they put out a few albums, which were pretty wonky rock. Like it was yeah. kind of proggy. Yeah. It was for yeah. rock nerds. They weren't I, that great. I listened. To, I listened to some of it to prepare for this episode, and the, like, the music is it's pretty dramatic. Like you can hear the very beginning of an arena band. Like they're making grand musical gestures, but they don't quite realize yet that they're an arena band. Like it's, every and everyone can clearly play, but it's not quite nerdy and technical enough to grab prog rock or like hard organ fans, for example. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. To and it's not tight or accessible enough to to get the mainstream rock fans in there. And also at the same time, Steve Perry was uh, fixing chicken coops for a mm -hmm. living. Yeah, and the, and the the the, uh, the label told them you have to get a lead singer. They went to the chicken farm, found Steve Perry, brought him on. Well, no, it's well, that's. That's and not what it happened. Pretty much. So they, yeah, he sent him a the, demo. Well, at the time, what's, it, what's really important for the sake of this episode is that Steve Perry was in L.A. gigging around with a band that was sometimes called Alien Project, sometimes called Street Talk. Oh, there's the scene. Yeah, but we have to, so he's been holding on to Street Talk, the idea of Street Talk before Journey. But not only was he holding on to the idea of Street Talk, but the reason why the Alien Project failed is because his bassist was killed. So he had a he had a he had a dark emotional attachment to the name Street Talk mm -hmm. that he wasn't ready to address. Mm -hmm. So he goes into Journey and immediately starts writing hits with them, clicks with them immediately as a songwriter. The first day, first the, day, the first meeting, the first uh -huh. meeting with Neil Sean, they write patiently, uh -huh. which is about Steve Perry wanting to get get into Journey. If you listen to it, it's about I can't remember the first line, but it's it's him. It's, it's an awful lot like like Iron Maiden before. Bruce Dickinson. You know, there was something there. There was a foundation, but it wasn't until they got the proper singer that they were able to build but he was, something he, beautiful upon it. And he literally wrote a song about patiently waiting to be accepted into this band. So, with Steve on board, Journey went from prog to arena rock and started charting and making huge hits. Like, their album Escape uh, sold 9 million copies. And I don't think Steve ever felt like he got the thanks he deserved. Um, and so... Neil Sean started to do these solo projects with Jan Hammer called Sean and Hammer. And I think Steve <laughs> felt a little resentful. He was looking for his own solo project, so he went to LA. He wrote the entire Street Talk album in three weeks. Street Talk was a dream no more, and it was a huge hit. He took all this pent up frustration about being an unappreciated schlump on the assembly line of a hit factory and poured it into a beautiful song that was for once all his own. Oh, Sherry. Sean and Hammer is my favorite German porn star. <laughs> number eight. Our number eight song is Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. This is a good and one, too. Anybody in our audience who felt like we weren't going to follow through on this bit has just had reality dawn on them. And I also <laughs> think that if anybody was doubting JD wrote a thousand word essay on it. <laughs> That it's now... <laughs> You're surprised at this point that it was only a thousand words. Yeah. You now agree. <laughs> God, it's so good. So Every good. Time. It's so good. I just want to stop talking and listen. I know. But I'm going to keep talking. We got a lot to get through. Yeah, we do. I feel that O'Sherry is underrated due 
to the maelstrom of excellent pop culture in which it was released. That's a good argument. Let's yeah. talk about what was going on in 1984. Yeah, let's put it in context. And this is this is uh, this came out in what like April? 84? April. Yes. Okay, and it peaked June 8th. Okay. 1984. So, Summer Olympics right here in uh, good old Los Angeles. Yeah. So that week that it peaked, you had I think you had Gremlins and Ghostbusters opening at the mm. bottom. Oh wow. Temple of Doom was was in the top ten. Yeah. Breaking, Streets of Fire, Police Academy, and Footloose were still in the huh. box office charts. Mm-hmm. So you know you have all these movies to go see. You're probably turning off Oh Sherry on the radio as you go in to see Footloose for the fourth time. Yeah, well, not only that, but Steve, you could probably talk more about this than me. But the the fucking songs. Yeah, the, this was the golden age of movie soundtracks. And yeah. they're all like 1984. We had we had so many like other big blockbusters on the music side. Like you had Purple Rain, which was oh my god, game changer. Uh, Born in the USA came out that year. My Van Halen great Halloween costume. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a lot of stuff going uh, on in Jackson, 1984. Michael Jackson a lot of stuff. Thriller was still riding pretty high on the charts. Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie. Yep, that was a big one. Sports by Huey Lewis. Oh, that was a big Madonna's album. first album. Albums at the time cost like $15, which is probably like $50 in 2016 money. Yeah. So you're spending all this money on these classic albums. You might not have enough money left even, to buy Street Talk. Even right. sports were music. <laughs> In 1984. Okay, I get it. He's, I get he's it. trying to do my the my Huey. My, when people ask me if I'm a fan of sports, he holds like, up the Huey Lewis yeah, album. Yeah, like, that's my favorite. Which album. he has multiple copies of. Yeah. I also want to say that at this time, uh, Marvin Gaye was shot, killed by his father. Yeah. So that, oh, yeah. Other stuff that, going on. And that on. was in the nation April. was mourning. Yeah, that was oh, right yeah. near here on uh, Gramercy. Uh, right, right. In, he died in the front yard. Another sad thing. Terms of Endearment came out. When it, when oh, that's that good. Picture. Soundtrack. Sad Sally Fed. So did Against All Odds. Sally. Field uh, gave her her famous line, "You like me, you really like me," that, which was really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Apple uh, began began selling their Macintosh computers with that crazy 1984 uh, like uh, commercial. Yeah, and the Detroit Tigers just finished 18 and two in the month of April on their on their march to immortality. Yep. And the Chicago Cubs were on their way to their first playoff spot since World War II. So you're buying baseball tickets, you're buying a new Apple computer, all these albums, you're going to see movies. You're you're, you're getting ready to vote for Mondale if you're a Democrat, all excited that you're no, going to oust Reagan. No, you were crossing the line. You were just happy he nominated a woman to be vice yeah. president for the so, first time. Good old Geraldine so, Ferrar. Oh, Sherry's racing up the charts, and what stops it? Let's hear it from the boy from Footloose and Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Oh, another blockbuster album. She's so unusual. Yep. And so, you know, Oh, Sherry really didn't have a chance at number one. All these what a year! You know, it's uh, it's funny, JD, how you you're excusing this song for not hitting number one, like you didn't do for Van Halen's '84 album. A lot of things about this podcast are funny. Keep it in your pants. Number seven. Oh, our number it, seven what's, uh, song what's today this one? is "Oh Sherry" by Steve Perry. Great choice. Great yeah. choice. I would have uh, put this at seven as well. You know, the argument. Yeah, I agree. Making, I agree. I just want to say that really rolls off the tongue. Oh, Sherry by Steve Perry. Yeah, it rhymes. Yeah, it rhymes. If she'd married him, she could have been Sherry Perry. What a year! I'm sure I'm the first person who's ever made that observation. Yeah. You could have been Sherry Perry! (laughs) Um, So what we're going to talk about this time is how the bold production takes the song to this other level. The producer of this song, who we mentioned before, 
up in the bone throw segment is a fella named Bruce Botnick. I just want to say, and I don't know if this makes a difference, but he was the executive producer. Steve Perry was listed as the producer of this album. Yeah, yeah, but come on. So he was yeah. the guiding force. But yeah, Steve he had Perry his, had his finger in the in the pie. He was making sure Steve Perry was going to be okay. Who's Bruce Botnick, Steve? Well, Bruce Botnick is no is best known in rock circles for producing the Doors' L.A. Woman album and also the psychedelic classic and critics' favorite Forever Changes by the band Love with Arthur Ooh, Lee. Oh, Love. Are, there, are, are Love are part of that whole Sausalito scene like Journey and Santana? No. No, no they're, they're, they were L.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, excuse me. Great album, great album. Yeah, really uh, great album. Bam! Bruce Botnick also produced Eddie Money's first two albums and he worked extensively with... <laughs> the best with, two. Yes. So he also worked with film composer Jerry Goldsmith, I believe, as his, as his engineer. And the big stuff for our purposes. He the big was, stuff. He was the executive producer of the Caddyshack soundtrack, or supervisor. He had some higher-up title for the Caddyshack soundtrack, and he subsequently produced Kenny Loggins' High Adventure album. So he's the one that yanked Kenny Loggins out of Yacht Rock. He's yeah. the one that did it. Wow. He's the real life Gene uh, Balboa. We need to we way. need to really we need to really look at that and see if that's true. He wasn't fully out of the outlook. We can make up a story about how it was true pretty mm-hmm. easily. So that's the biography of the producer of this song. Let's talk about the producing choices that he and Steve Perry made that are so awesome. Alright. Well, first of all, I mean, it's the first six, those six measures of acapella at the beginning. Yeah, it's 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 show-stopping. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's like, fuck you, Journey, I'm on my own now. No, it's, I, it's like when a chef wants to showcase a high-quality ingredient and just cooks it all by itself. Doesn't do too much to it. <laughs> yeah, just, just lets, lets the it. ingredient shine. It's the, the synth intro at the beginning is almost kind of Journey-like. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's the... the Keyboard player in Journey, Jonathan, Jonathan Kane. Kane. John yeah. Kane, yeah. Later, uh, bad English. Yeah. Oh, good band. Um, it's almost like, oh, hey, this is kind of a Journey thing, and then it intentionally drops off, and the only thing you hear is Steve Perry, and it's it's almost like, hey, it's me all by myself. It's, it seems pretty intentional, and it's the isolation, and it's heavy, heavy reverb. Yeah. So it sounds like a man alone on stage or in a giant room. And by the way, everybody from this point forward, if you go to the Grand Canyon or every any other large chasm, you should always say, and it should have been gone. See, I always yelled, Drago! From Rocky IV. So, real quick, some other things I like. I like uh, the driving staccato, the bop-ba-da-bop-ba-da-bop, the sassy arpeggio, mm. I sometimes call yeah. it. I love the synthesized hand claps. I love that guitar that goes, wham! Like it's somebody fighting. Yeah. Those, those, those hand that. claps sound like whip craps, which are, we all know breaks the sound barrier and is a pocket-sized sonic boom. I like Just it. like Steve Perry. I like to hear the action. There's backing vocalists doing counterpoint melodies, and you know who those backing vocalists are? They're fucking Steve, Steve Perry. Steve mm-hmm. Perry. Steve Perry. Our number Good six song. song in the countdown today is uh, oh I didn't write it down. Um, JD I, I got it. fucked up the script. I got it here. I got it oh. here. It's uh, Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. Thank you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> here's what I actually pointed to my script <laughs> when I said that. Like I, like here and it here. actually was left off the outline that yes. we printed out. So I. The argument we're making this production time choice. Let's explain is that, the that jokes. Steve Perry hired capable, uninspired musicians that allowed him to shine. I think 
There's something to be said about him being in a great band like Journey with Neil Sean, who was amazing, Jonathan Cain, who was amazing. Oh, Ray yeah, Rowland, all very and, good yeah. musicians. And he's always competing with their proficiency to stand out. So this time, he just hired a bunch of uh, boring session musicians. All right, let's let's label these guys. Let's, na let's name these guys. Oh, who are these oh, guys? Oh, well, he loved them like a father and gave them all nicknames. Oh, and you want to go right into there? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it, yeah. Let's okay. go right into the nicknames. Okay, well, here we go. Let's see. We got... Larry, do you want to see my socks, London? Okay, well, he was the drummer. He's the drummer. Yeah, how do you, th how I do think, you think you should get that name? I think you should just list a few of the things in quotes. I don't think we need to hear the whole name. Or we could talk about the guys and then you could tell the nickname. Yeah, that's what yeah, I thought do, we were going to do. That. That. Okay. Well, Larry London, the drummer, mm -hmm. he drummed. Yeah. Anything else? He drummed. I, I bet he drummed without shoes on. <laughs> no, so, do you want to see my socks? No. Okay, okay. Um, okay, now, oh, now I'm all thrown off. Yeah. Um, Wadi. Hunter, who's next? Wadi, who's next? Oh, no, you guys just go to Wadi Wachtel. Oh, okay, yeah. he's the, the session guitarist. Uh -huh. uh, he we're had a cameo. Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk more about him in a minute, but Dave, yeah, he, he uh, had a story. He had a uh, cameo in 1972's Poseidon Adventure, and he was pretty well respected as a studio musician until he and his wife were arrested in 1998 on suspicion of child pornography after illicit images were found on his computer after he'd taken it in for repair. Wachtel pled no contest and was put on probation for three years. Dave, there is audible I didn't know that was in your voice. So, Wadi does the guitar solo, but we have there's another guitarist who plays on the album by the name of Michael Landau from what underappreciated Yacht Rock band, Hunter? Maxis. Yeah! Maxis is going to have a previous bone throw. And Steve Perry gave him the nickname... Downstairs. Downstairs. Ooh. Yeah, Michael Downstairs Landau. Who was Waddy yeah. with Chell? Did you already say his name? He didn't have a nickname. Oh. He was the his, one guy. His, his nickname already was Waddy. Yeah, his nickname was Waddy. Um, when you got a nickname like Waddy, you don't really need another one. Oh, and this is how boring these studio musicians are. The bass player's name is Bob Glob. And his, <laughs> and his nickname that Steve Perry gave him was No Respect. Bob, no respect, oh, he Glob. He must have had a killer Rodney Dangerfield impression that he amused the band members with. Hey, 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 no respect. No respect. <laughs> slap that bass a little on this song. No respect. Slap it a little. Did uh, did Craig Camp have a nickname on there? Uh, Craig... Nope. He was a co-writer co and... Uh... He did not, but Randy Goodrum did. Oh, what's his nickname? Randy? Just what I'm worth or nothing, Goodrum. Yeah. Steve Perry. He's not going to take any more. I don't know if I, I if I said that these. I'm reading their nicknames that Steve Perry from the liner wrote notes. from his special. Yes, Hunter thanks. brought in the vinyl of of Street, of Street Talk, Talk so that he could read the liner notes. Well, that was a list of Steve Perry's session musicians. We're yeah. out of time to talk about this. I call session musicians who play on all different kinds of things gigolos. Oh, because they gig. Oh, they I gig. They I was, go from gig to gig. I was reading that wrong. bumpers. This is a long one. Oh, could because there's a special one. Oh. <gasps> listen, listen, listen. 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 50 states in 50 podcasts. All right, a little break from O'Sherry. Welcome. Oh, we're halfway through the countdown. Welcome to Oklahoma. Birthplace of Journey's Neil Sean. Wow. Yeah. And what we're listening to now 
is Neil Sean and Jan Hammer. Sean and Hammer. Oh, Sean and Hammer. Um, Man, that guy can fuck. Barry Wait, Single. What? <laughs> what? Oh. Which, which guy? Sean and Hammer. Oh, the, oh, oh the, it's a throwback. It's a callback. 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 Callback to the. Yeah. This song is called Self Defense. Oklahoma has a music hall of fame. So Ooh. it's easy to find people from Oklahoma. You go to the website and you see names like oh. Kristen Chenoweth. Vince Vince Gill, I think, is from there. Garth Brooks has got to be from Oklahoma. So we know. should Color say... Me Bad, Leon Russell. Wait, all of Color Me Bad? All of Color Me Bad. That's where they were that's Not, where just, they the were good, not just the good parts mm-hmm. of Color Me Bad? All of them. And there's also a ton of country artists and, and, a bu- and also a building called the Maybe Center. Uh, so and do- oddly enough, the Flaming Lips are not yet in the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame, which is the main band yeah. most rock fans can well, name. Them and, and the Gap Band. Well, I want to say any states listening, you know, get a get a Hall of Fame, and then we can. It's easier for us to do our jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can highlight you easier. They might all have had them. We just didn't. I just found this one. So this song, I want to play this song because it helps our old Sherry argument. Um, it's kind of sweet. It's kind of sweet. It's kind of good. Yeah, it's harder but, than Journey. But um, so this was one of Neil Sean's side projects. Uh, it is one of these albums that made Steve Perry go like, hey, why don't I get a solo album? <laughs> and another weird thing about this is that Steve Perry sings background vocals on this track. Yeah, this is like, this is almost all of Journey plays on this song. Yeah. And of course, like, he elevates this sort of mediocre song. It rocks, but it's not that great. But then he acts all bitter about Neil Sean getting solo work, and here he is, like, helping him out. I don't get Steve Perry as a guy, but I get him when he's singing. I, I think he was just trying to be a pal. You know, like, Neil Sean took the help, but he didn't really give a shit. Kind of like when you go to prom with a girl just because she has a really cool 1975 MG convertible. Listen that to sounds this. oddly specific, Dave. Eh. Listen to the solo for a second. That's what Neil Sean can do. This so, is like sweet 80s metal. Yeah, this is unbelievable. He's so good. Yeah. Um, and so when you listen to the guitar solo in Old Sherry, you can see how pedestrian that is. Yeah, when you do the heavy lifting on the guitar in Santana, you're, uh, you're pretty accomplished on the guitar. I want to I, say that this is Neil Sean's second best uh, side project. His first being oh yeah, Hassas, which is a super group that he formed with uh, with Sammy Hagar. No. Say that slowly so it sinks in. Hassas. No, that what you call that genre. Super group. <laughs> we, it's a super group. It's disappointing. <laughs> it was a, it was a it was a it was a super group born in a really terrible time. This real quick last point, Neil Sean is like a trampoline for greatness. From hopping off of him from this, Jan Hammer would go on to compose the Miami Vice theme. Steve Perry would write O Sherry. And Neil Sean forms a sass. Number five. Ooh. Oh, back to the countdown. Number five on our countdown, Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. And here we're going to highlight, since we just listened to Neil Sean, we're going to talk more about the inferior guitar work on this song. Yeah, I, I want to get into that. I want to I want to do one of my trademark uh, technical music explanations here. And this actually is fascinating. Yeah, okay. So, Wadi Wachtel's entire guitar solo is done with a technique called unison bends. You, uh, you finger a note on the high E string, you put your ring and your fuck you fingers three frets up on the second highest string, the B string. You bend that up one step, and voila, the notes match. 
hence the term unison. It sounds awesome, too. Yeah, it's great. Uh, usually, unison bends are employed as one small trick in a full arsenal of practice soloing techniques. Like, maybe you want to highlight part of the melody with this, with this technique. Maybe you pull it out to, like, close out a solo with extra emphasis because this has a nice, thick sound to just a single note. You, like, you add thickness to just a single note with this. But nobody ever makes the entire <laughs> solo out of unison bands because they're really, really easy, and you can't really play them super fast. Wadi Wachtel made the entire solo out of unison bends, which is kind of like making an entire Sunday out of the cheap sprinkles. <laughs> and no ice cream. And no ice, yeah, no ice cream, just the, just the sprinkles. But it makes sense because Steve and Sherry are in unison in this, so it really has, I'll go into, I'll really be analyzing this song a little bit later, but like it really comes at a point in the song where they're like together and happy. It's yeah. very nice. Well, I, and I'll talk about this later, but I really think that it's Sherry's voice. The guitar solo is Sherry's voice because there's moments where Steve Perry says something like awful mm -hmm. and the guitar goes, Meow! Yeah, that's Sherry's voice. Yes. Yeah. And then and so but when then, they get together oh, so it's evidence of the conflict in their relationship underlying. So so Steve obviously has theme, a, yeah. a voice, but I believe this Here guitar is. is her is. bringing him to with her together. Unison bends. No. It's very cool, but it it's is. no Neil Sean. No. Yeah. I think I think it's also possible that this could have been done as a fuck you to Neil okay. Sean. Like, like, oh, you think you're so great? Here's a bunch of fucking unison bands. Nobody gives a shit. This song will be a huge hit anyway. And I, I think it's the exact opposite. Oh, well, do tell. Because I don't think... You guys like to build up this conflict between, this, between these two. I don't think they actually had that conflict. I don't think they had animosity. I think Neil Sean just simply... He liked being a rock star. Steve Perry didn't. But they actually kind of like each other. And I think this there was an olive branch to, to Sean. Like, he could have been a dick and hired somebody, something like David Could have been a dick! <laughs> something he like, could have hired Eddie Van Halen like Michael Jackson did. Yeah, hired somebody that made that made Neil Sean go, fuck, this guy got somebody better than me. That would have pissed him off. Like, Instead, da like David oh. Lee Roth hired Steve Vai. Exactly, yeah. exactly so like that. So you're saying he, like, he's letting Neil Sean be the hottest chick in the room. Exactly. So think of it this way. Neil is Steve's estranged girlfriend, and maybe they're taking a break. Now, Steve has, he, Steve has to go to a wedding, but taking Neil is out of the question. He could take a model, a hot model. He could if he wanted to, but instead he takes his sister because he wants, ultimately, wants the relationship with Neil to work. And Wadi Wachell is like, 12-year-old sister? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Take a 12 -year -old Following in the footsteps of Gary Glitter. That's the article I read that <laughs> highlighted what That's I said Wadi before. Glitter. It's Great another timing on this star. segment, guys. Yeah. What's next? Surprise. Four. Number four song, Steve Perry, Oh Sherry. Nice. What we're going to talk about now is how the ridiculous video yeah. helps the, add to the song's greatness. The entire thing was filmed in the lobby of the Park Plaza Hotel, which is in uh, MacArthur Park. Hire Dave Lyons as your next location manager. <laughs> the same steps that Nick Cage beat the shit out of a guy in the beginning of Wild at Heart, and famed actor O.J. Simpson caught babies at the bottom of in Naked Gun 33 and a third. Guys, good. Alright, I want to I wanna recount the plot of the video since the people at home are not watching it right now. So it opens with, the, with this medieval church wedding scene. Steve Perry's there wearing the king's crown, his bride comes in. There's a big horn fanfare. 
Now, in the full-length version, which is on Steve Perry's official YouTube channel, <laughs> Steve cracks up and says how ridiculous this all is. It's so not him. This is just a love song, man. He has to talk to all these, like, fake music biz types, and he sneaks off and just starts singing in a stairwell. And the awesome power of his voice immediately silences everyone. And then Sherry wanders in, and Steve eventually cuts through all the music industry bullshit <laughs> to declare his sincere affections for her. And they skip out on the rest of the video shoot. They walk out, and her hand's in the butt pocket of his jeans. It's, it's so sweet. Now, if you watch the abridged version on YouTube, which is the version they probably would have played most often on MTV, they cut out that whole skit that leads into the song. They just go right from the horn fanfare to those opening keyboards. You lose all context for everything else that happens in the video. It makes absolutely no sense. And I just want to say, at all, you lose actually lose context by just watching this one video. Yeah. Because this is a sequel. Mm -hmm. Whoa! What? Yes, I found the sequel, and it's uh, what was the name of the song? Strung out. No, not the sequel or the prequel. The prequel. Because this video, I think, confused people so much because everybody just saw the little version of it. Yeah. Steve was like, we need to do a prequel. So then another single from the was album. Was Strung Out second? I don't know if it was second, but it, it was probably another single. All right, so, so, so it makes more sense, and it actually hurts Steve Perry's position. So so he go, Steve Perry goes all Dave TV, and he creates these wacky <laughs> characters, like this wacky publicist. Dave TV being the crazy David, David Lee Roth. Roth yeah. Where he creates these wacky characters. Uh, so so it's, actually, it's a sequel. So O'Sherry's a sequel. So Steve clearly has a dislike for music videos, record execs, agents. And part one is Strung Out, which he has these caricatures of these music industries. And, he, and it's it's super, it's just, it's Steve, like, talking to his band, just being really, just being, like, really folksy and not being a... An everyman. Yeah, an everyman. And then, and all of a sudden, these, these, like, parasites come walking in, and Steve's like, Steve's like, oh, geez, I thought you guys were still in New York. <laughs> and and then so he plays his stuff and he's backlit and you don't even see him and all the while there's they're like we brought a special guest and you and dun 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 there's all these really oh, scary shots of this guy smoking cigarettes and you don't see his face and you don't know who this guy scary guy is well at the end it turns out it's the director for his new music video. Whoa. Oh, Sherry! Whoa! Yeah, the, the guy with the vision for the stupid medieval thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he and he comes in. His name's Graham Dent. And he comes in and he says, "Steve, and I should have been gone, knowing how I made you feel, pure Shakespeare." <laughs> Oh, what a pretentious twit. Which is the idea for the movie. He, he says it's it, the song is an inherent contradiction of every major love story. So he's doing a Romeo and Juliet thing. It makes perfect sense. And Steve's like, eh, I don't like it. That's how it ends. He's yeah. a simple-hearted guy. But it makes perfect sense. Number three. Steve Perry's Oh Sherry is our number three song today. And, uh, it's this number song three. is too short. We've got so many. Yeah, I'm glad we had to rush that yeah. one so we can get to the next yeah, song, you, Oh you, Sherry. Yeah, you didn't get to tell my Graham Dent stories and shit on Jimmy Buffett. Oh, well. Yeah, you tweet about it. Save it. Um, Go to J.D. Risner's Tumblr page. <laughs> for all of Dave's tweets. This song, Oh Sherry, is based on a real-life love story, and it makes this song really special, because we all know the story. Mm. So, the song carries this baggage. It's very special. We want to share this story with you. 
We Steve, all know the Steve, story. Who is this lady that he's singing about? Well, this, this girl was actually named Sherry. Her name is <gasps> Sherry Swafford. Uh, apparently, when they wrote, when they first wrote the song, Steve and all his session bros were sitting around jamming. It was kind of late at night. Sherry got tired and went to bed. And Steve started singing, Oh, Sherry, and Hold On, Hold On, Hold On. And then Randy Goodrum, like, oh, this is a good idea. He wrote the, Randy Goodrum wrote the basic lyrics based on what he saw of their relationships. It's kind of an outside observer. I have an exact Reflecting you back at yourself. I have an exact quote from that. Randy Goodrum said that when he met Steve and Sherry, he sensed a certain amount of drama in their in their relationship, to put it mildly. mildly. So he found the pre- he liked to find a premise and go with it. So basically, the premise being a toxic relationship. And Randy Goodrum was very shocked that Steve Perry wanted to record with him because Randy Goodrum's main hits were like these, these sappy love songs. Like he made his name writing for Ann Murray. He described it as like finding a $20 bill uh, blowing in the wind. <laughs> That's what he literally yeah. what he, how he described it. Like, uh, why would this rock god want to work with me? Steve Perry Hello, is Randy a, mil- he's a million, he's a million dollar, dollar bill. bill. Yeah. Um, they were dating at this point like five years. Five years. That's one fifth of his twenty percent of his life <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, but and the five years of him being at the peak rock yeah. star, so it's an but, eternity. But, but what five years means, if you backwards engineer that, is that he probably also wrote faithfully for Sherry. Yeah. And in interviews about Sherry, he he has that sentiment of like loving a music man isn't always what it's supposed to be. I mean, he doesn't say that in interviews, but like. His life was too nuts to give Sherry the attention she deserved. So he said something like, you know, you think it's fun to be in a relationship with a guy in the most popular band in the world, but really it's not. Yeah. Steve Perry is a very he takes love very seriously is what I'm getting out of a lot of this yeah, and in, in that relate they packed a lot of love into that five years and he has a lot of regret the funny thing is you never hear from Sherry after this mm-hmm. Sherry after they broke up the Sherry became a bit of a recluse she responded once yeah to a blogger named Mark Nobleman a few years ago to give an update she said here's the whole thing. <laughs> You're the, you're, the all on, of it. you're the only person who has ever received a response. MTV, VH1 contacted me. I did nothing and hoped they thought it was the wrong number. I am an esthetician. I teach yoga. Never married. No children. Love my am- animals, planting flowers, and life. Cherish my friends, including Steve, and my privacy. It was so different for us. It was just love. Nothing else. That's the one thing that Sherry said. That's fucking beautiful. When you peek... By dating Steve Perry, there's no coming down from that. When that relationship ends, you can't find another man. How are you going to date the greatest rock vocalist ever? And then... Would do you I... think that was his sex appeal for Sherry? Was he was a great rock vocalist? No, it was his beautiful nose. <laughs> Number two... Oh, Sherry by Steve Perry. Number mm. Coming in at number two on the countdown. Oh, man. I forgot to tr- talk about his gene meat. I tried to set you up, too. Oh. I tried to set Dave up for the sex appeal thing. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going well, to anyway. try to get through this here. This, JD has a lot to here. get through right here, so let's let him go. So this podcast network, feralaudio.com, being underwritten by the success of Dan Harmon's Harmontown, were contractually obligated to break this song down using Dan Harmon's distilled version of Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. Story Circle. Look it the up. Story Circle. So... The song starts in a place of comfort. It's warm, easy synth opening, and Steve's voice, alone in the dark, pondering his shaky relationship status. 
Yeah, crack those beers. Settling in. Like he's, thinking, light he's talking about bar. another. When we first hear him, he's talking about another girl, familiar pattern. He's a dick. He dates terrible women. Words of steel. He moves on. This is the world he used to. But he gets called to adventure by the heralds. In this case, the drums, beckoning him to the world of more instruments, where he can explore a deeper commitment to Sherry. At first, he refuses the call. I must have been dreaming. I must have been someone else. You know, this isn't me. But with a mystical aid, which I think is the drum fill, into the first chorus, he accepts the hero's journey, pursuing what appears to be a lasting relationship. Um, Dave, get off your phone. In the verse after the chorus, Steve is challenged and tested by doubts and fears of an ugly man dating a beautiful woman. Mm. She's going to break my heart, she's going to keep hurting me, or she'll see him for what he is, a big phony. Then this massive guitar chord, you know, that BAM! It's this brutal inner conflict. But by exploring these feelings, he awakens a feverish passion he'd never before experienced. That you know you'll never find nowhere else, and it continues burning on and on. So the second chorus is his acceptance of this relationship is real and good and will last. In the first chorus, Oh Sherry, Our Love Holds On is a question. This is weird, right? But in the second chorus, it's an exclamation emboldened by the high of falling in love. But after that, the so after the solo, or the solo, this solo right now? This is this when is, he meets the goddess. It's the love montage. It's the meeting of the goddess. They're holding hands. They're chasing lobsters. It's the cotton, highest form of love candy on the nose. After this solo, things take a dark turn, if only for a few measures. When you have what you've always wanted, there's always an unintended consequence. He pushes her away, questioning the relationship again. This is fantasy. Long ago, far away. Back to the beginning. This isn't real. But... As soon as he has a few beats alone, he realizes he has a magic key all along. Now I know just why you'll stay. Once he realizes this, he's ready for the return journey. His journey. The return in, journey. His re, yeah, he's in re, to return, yeah, he's to return, return the journey. journey. Yeah. His journey into the unknown was fraught with questions and doubt. <sighs> By this, the last chorus, he is a man convinced this love was meant for him and will last forever. The last chorus is a battle with whatever the last doubts keeping him and Cherry from being together forever are. He crosses the return threshold with a frickin' key change. How perfect is that? Yeah. Because now, he's the same loving guy we met. At the beginning, but all his doubts have now erased. We get a return to the unison bends, as you can hear. Steve and Sherry are together, holding on. He's a man with a girlfriend, not just a string of casual lovers. What was once a question is now a sh an exclamation. It's now law. Our love holds on. It's fact. And here we are, back to the familiar, exact same synth melody we got at the beginning. But it feels different this time, doesn't it, guys? Because yeah. he was a boy it's the then. Full, it's the full Dan Harmon story circle. He was a f all eight. He stages. was a boy then. Now he's a man. Thanks for bearing with me. It was impressive, JD. I can't believe your essay was only a thousand words. How many pages is that? Number. It's like a page and a half. <laughs> that was a lot longer than that. Number one song. We made oh, it, guys. Here it is. Oh, Sherry. Oh, I can't Steve believe Perry. you. Pick this again. Song number one. He pick. He keeps you picking pick every, time. every time. Every time. It should have been, should have been damn, one. I wish I was your lover. Yeah. <laughs> you guys for the loop. Mariah Carey. <laughs> um, Christmas, oh, Sherry. So our number one argument, our most important argument, as to why Oh, Sherry by Steve Perry is one of the greatest, probably the greatest pop ballads of all time, is Steve Perry has the voice of God. Yes. And this is it in its purest. Yes. Kick us off, Steve. All right. I have a whole theory about, I think... 
even before The Sopranos used Don't Stop Believing in their finale episode, I think that the music of Journey, and in particular the vocals of Steve Perry, was on its way back into the wider public consciousness for one big reason, and that is karaoke. And also because of Gene Meat. Yes. Mm-hmm. People yeah. got really into that again. And his Wait, sex appeal. Quick quick diversion. If you guys want to see some great Gene Meat, look at the back of any Journey album. Yeah. Especially yep. Greg on radio. Yep. Greg or, or, and I swear to God, look up a picture of Steve Perry and Sherry together. Yeah. It's all nipples and dick. <laughs> Every single picture. Yeah. No they, bras. There's, yeah, there's, no. There's, there's no bras in the video. No. <laughs> no bras, bra. Fully clothed, yeah. nipple and dick. Sorry, Steve. Continue. Okay, so my karaoke theory. Like, if you go to the, the other big arena rock bands like Ario Speedwagon or Foreigner or Asia, people with a modicum of vocal talent can sing those songs. But when you try to sing a Journey song and you have to get all the way up into Steve Perry's range and you try to sing it with the same power as Steve Perry, you quickly realize that this guy is on a whole other level from most of his peers. Like You can maybe put Brad Delp from Boston up in that range, but he doesn't have the full visceral power of Steve Perry up in that range. Not even close. That's the depressing thing about Steve Perry music. He's so good and it's so fun. He makes it like, he makes so many nutball vocal choices that you just want to copy him, but you can't. Because he's Steve Perry and you, America, are garbage. That's true. Uh, There was one guy, one guy, the only guy I've ever seen come do karaoke, and he killed this. uh, He actually did separate ways. Yeah, I was there that night. Oh, you were there? It was JD's birthday. We were out for JD's (laughs) birthday. So you remember? I remember that. Yeah. That guy was fucking amazing. He was amazing. And then he followed it up with Foolin' by Def Leppard, which was also good, but not nearly as stunning as this fucking guy is pulling off Steve Perry, note perfect at karaoke. And he just came in and, like, gave the guy a nod, yeah. and he sent him up, and fuck, he. Now that I think about this it, this was at Boardwalk Eleven in Palm. It may have been Steve yeah, Perry. Yeah, I remember so, this now. Seeing somebody, whoever that guy is, if you're listening, you're a fucking legend. Yeah, he is a legend. Seeing somebody nail a Steve Perry song at karaoke is like being at a baseball game when a perfect game is thrown. Yeah, you it are lucky like watching to be Jake Arrieta to throw a no hitter at uh, Dodger Stadium last uh, year. No, not it no was hitter. Like God himself. No, yes, not it was no like hitter. God himself gave you a birthday present, JD. What? Perfect game. Anyway. I was at that no-hitter by Jake Arrieta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First um, hand. Saw it first hand. You know, I don't even think that this is Steve Perry's most interesting song that he sings. Like, I think it's pretty straightforward, but it's just such distilled oh, perfect it's stripped Steve Perry. Down. It's absolutely stripped um, down. You know, he doesn't have any of those fun vocal flares he has, like, and don't fight it. You know, sometimes you want to yell, for help! Who yeah. does that but Steve Perry? There's none of that in here. He just kind of goes off the rails at the end a little bit. And it's those but. little things like note choices. That's where actual musical genius And I want to say this. This guy was five minutes away from building chicken coops for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Think about it. We never would have known. Mm. We never would have known him and his talent. Uh, Dave, what do we leave off the list? Uh, well, I would have chosen uh, Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. Oh, and I, I would have uh, I would have talked about a sex appeal. Mm-hmm. A little um, more about a sex appeal. A little more. A little more well, gene meat. I wanted. I wanted to get a female perspective, so I asked uh, my friend Gina Tremonti, good friend mm-hmm. of the podcast. Oh, who's her cousin? Eight, eighth time you've mentioned her on the podcast? Yeah. Who's yeah. her cousin? Uh, he's in Creed. No, no big deal. <laughs> uh, but what she said about Steve Perry was, well, she pointed out that even though he has the same haircut as Joan Jett and consistently wears his dad's tennis shoes, his pants are tight 
and he has the voice of a fucking god. She's she's in the other room. She happens to be in the other room today. Yeah, she's she, waiting. She, she would have done much better delivering that her own line than you did. Yeah, that's but, true. Hey, yeah. We're pressed for time. We're just yeah. talking about gene meat. Yeah, Gina yeah. is a gene meat expert. Uh, yeah. uh, Hunter, is, uh, this is the gene meat. Gina? This is dumb. This is, is a, this is a dumb bit naming oh Sherry. You know, no, no I I would have included Sherry by the Four Seasons <laughs> just I, to be a dick. And I I might have I might have chosen uh, Foolish Heart because it's a way better song. <laughs> um, I have a better idea, guys. What's that, JD? How about a, a surprise bonus yacht rock bone what? throw? <gasps> what? What? Not Breaking surprise format? To me. Holy shit! I sent this in late last night. Wanted to make my case for this. Wait. Bonus. Do we have a bumper for it? No. Uh-huh. A bonus thronus. <laughs> Steve Perry. It's the Greek. <laughs> the bonus thronus. The, la- the, the, Latin, the, Latin, the Latin. Latin, I'm sorry. Bonus thronus. Steve Perry, if only for one moment, girl. This is the closest he comes to Yara. This is the yacht rocking of Steve Perry I, ever I been. privately Pretty messaged, sultry. Pretty I, sultry right I now. privately messaged JD at like 1 a.m. last night and said, Hey, is this yacht rock? And I said, well, Yes. Fuck yeah, it is. But we're not going to not play that Randy Goodrum song. Let's throw it at the end. This was, a, a, like a, this was on the full We Are the World album where a lot of the artists got to uh, put a song on there. But this was clearly made for Street Talk. Uh-huh. They, they, they made this for Street Talk and it, and it didn't make the album and so they put it on a bunch of, for a bunch of poor kids from Africa who were starving. Yeah. I like I like that the title is not just if only for one moment. It's if only for one moment, girl. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> which which I th- I'm pretty sure. So the later CD releases, the like d- deluxe editions of Street Talk, this was on it. They took the girl off. It was just if only for one moment. Is it maybe it is called if only for one moment? But we got some weird YouTube. No 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 no. I double checked. Oh, okay. The, okay. The girl is on there. But listen, listen to the song for a moment, then I'll wrap up the show. It has a Hill Street Blues thing. Yeah. Super smooth. Yeah, maybe a little super Mike yachty. Because as we established, you know, the Goodrum, the Dandy Randy, he was a yacht rocker. If he would have done it full time, he would have killed it. And this was his, I think he brought it to a few different people. If he was a more charismatic guy, he might have kept Yacht Rock going for another 10 years. Yeah. He just didn't have the... Yeah, his later albums are still trying to do the Yacht Rock sound, even though true. he didn't make a career He did it. record some of the latest Yacht Rock I've ever heard. Like, yeah. he's got an album from 1990 that has some really Yacht Rock songs. And it's really weird that a guy who was this talented at doing a, a style of music that was topping the charts decided he was going to help other people. Big giving of them. Giving Goodrum. Fucking Goodrum. Thanks, bro. Thanks for all your work. Thanks, Randy. Next week, Moonshots. What's Moonshots, JD? It's simple. It's songs about space released about 10 years after man landed on the moon. There was a glut of songs like that in the 70s. You're in the captain's seat next week? I sure am. Oh, awesome. I've been working hard. Since when that when that was in the cultural zeitgeist still. <laughs> Find this week's playlist by buying uh, Oh Sherry on Amazon. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be an Amazon. Amazon portal where you can go buy yeah. stuff. No, there is. Down. If you go to oh, feralaudio.com yeah. and use their Amazon portal and buy through Amazon, that that helps support the artists on Feral Audio. Yeah. A lot of people say to me, JD, how do we pay you for do it for having done the Yacht Rock show? And well, you yeah. can't. There's yeah, just we go, yeah, to, time go to, but go to feralaudio.com and buy your Amazon shit through there and then yeah. we'll download all the songs from this week's 
Christmas <laughs> countdown. And ask them to re-release some of Randy Goodrum. And then you can buy it on Amazon. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow JD at JD Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. And bring a bottle of sherry. It's a wine that's been fortified just like your love. Oh, nice. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Go to YachtRock.com for what will hopefully one day be a useful experience. Rob Crow did our theme bumper. Thanks to the Boston Typewriter Orchestra wow. for today's Countdown in 50 States bumpers. Thanks, guys. And thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for sitting there while we played Oh Sherry ten times in a row. You take the gun out of your mouth now, buddy. It's wait, all over. Wait, that's not a gun. Take whatever that is out of your mouth. Find more at feralaudio.com. <laughs> hey, remember when you said Feral Audio was podcasting that now lives on the streets? Mm-hmm. Would you say that it's street talk? Mm-hmm.